This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. But I believe we can tackle these huge challenges the same way we tackled our huge financial challenges, one step at a time. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do three things. First, we'll answer one question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community about ideal side hustles for busy young parents. Second, I'm going to share how we can make charitable giving a part of our lives. And last but not least, our FinTech Spotlight segment will feature Zach Evanish from Roofstock. Zach and I are going to discuss why long-distance real estate investing isn't as complicated as you might think. We're also going to learn how Roofstock is helping busy families make solid passive income through single-family real estate investing. All right, let's jump into today's show. Question of the month comes in from Wes from Virginia. He left us this awesome voicemail. Hi, Andy. This is Wes from Virginia. First, I want to say that I'm loving the podcast you put together. It is part of my weekly rotation that keeps me motivated. So I've been married for five years and have a two and a half year old daughter. My wife and I have paid off $40,000 of debt, but we still have $100,000 in student loans to go. I want to find a side gig to help accelerate our debt payoff. But with my responsibilities at home, I'm looking for a work at home opportunity that pays $30 or more an hour to be worth my time to spend away from my family. I'm willing to put in a little bit of work up front to learn some new skills and even open up a business if needed. But I wanted to know your opinion on where I should focus my efforts. Thank you again for your time and keep up the good work. Hey, Wes, thanks for reaching out and listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I was actually in a very similar spot to you just a few years ago. I wanted a fun yet challenging side hustle that would help me meet my financial goals, but also one that I was able to do from the house, from my house. I had a couple of young kids as well. So I'm going to share with you 14 side hustle ideas for you to consider. Now, not all of them are going to fit you, your situation specifically, but... Maybe one of them or a few of them will help spark an idea or at least start leading you down a path that helps. But before we do that, I have a very important thing that I want to share with you. It might be the best way for you to make money, in my humble opinion, and that's with your current employer. So I want you to ask yourself a few questions here, Wes. When was the last time you got a raise from your current employer? And if it's been a while, Do you feel like you deserve a raise for meeting or exceeding your goals at work? Is there an opportunity for overtime with your current job? How about your spouse? Could she get a raise or could she work overtime? I guess the reason I'm asking you these questions or asking you to ask yourself these questions is that this is the best way, quickest way, easiest way for you to make more money. You're already being paid by these people. You're already in the system. You have a skill set that is in demand, obviously, because you have your job. So I guess take advantage of where you're making money already and try to collect a little bit more of it. 
Okay, now that I've gotten that out of the way, let's go through 14 side hustles parents can do from home with your special caveat, Wes, of eventually making $30 per hour or more with a side hustle. Okay, here we go. Number one, freelance writing. One of my favorite and most lucrative side hustles is freelance writing. It is amazing how much money you can make with just a few extra hours of time and a passion for a specific topic. Companies often pay by the article or by word count. For example, 10 cents per word for a 1500 word article, something like that. So that would net you 150 bucks. You'll want to start a blog so prospective clients can read your writing before working with you. You need to have some examples for them to consider you, right? So if you're really into writing about minimalism, you maybe want to start a blog about minimalism. Or if you're really into cars or writing about, yeah, writing about automotive, you probably want to have a blog or some sort of background uh, with you writing on that topic. So consider a blog for you to share those examples with your prospective clients. Over time, this can be a really great way to make money at home. I've got a few friends who are also parents, just like you, Wes, that are making well over $100,000 a year writing from home. And I'm going to put a few of those interview links in the show notes for you to check out. Number two, virtual assistant. The internet, the magical internet, has allowed people to make a comfortable living from home, helping others with their small businesses. If you're good with editing and proofreading articles or making pins on Pinterest or managing Facebook groups or scheduling meetings or just simply replying to emails, the role of virtual assistant may be right for you. Depending on your skills, you can easily charge $30 per hour or more for VA work. I currently am working with uh, some VAs that I pay more than $30 an hour to help me with this podcast. Number three, proofreading. There are a lot of businesses that hire out proofreading work for important documents, articles, or proposals. So someone with an eagle eye for details and a love for the English language can make some decent side money with proofreading. Something to consider, Wes. Number four, affiliate marketing. Starting a blog was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Establishing a presence online and then sharing my thoughts and opinions has opened up so many doors for me. But my favorite way that I've made money through my blog is with affiliate marketing. This is when you recommend products or services that you use, like, or trust. If someone decides to purchase that product or service on your website, you get a commission. For example, I learned a lot from a course that I took called Making Sense of Affiliate Marketing. And for example, if I put a link on my website for you to buy that course, since I'm an affiliate, I'll make a commission. I like the product. I used it. It helped me a lot. And I think it'll help others. So think of other products or services that you have used in your life that you'd want to recommend. And you could do that through your blog. And it's a great way to make extra money. This year, I will make around $3,000 from affiliate marketing, which is not bad for a side hustle that I don't really have to do that much for. Once I've written the article, it sits there and people can choose to buy the product or not. So that's one of my favorite side hustles. 
Number five, YouTube. Like blogging and podcasting and affiliate marketing, making money on YouTube takes a lot of time, patience, and dedication. In the beginning, you're probably not going to make much money at all. But over time, you can start earning $1,000 or more per month in advertising revenue. I'm currently reading a book by Joseph Hogue, and the book's called Crushing YouTube. Awesome name, by the way. (laughs) He's making over $5,000 per month now on YouTube, and he's sharing advice on how he's done it. And a lot of it is through YouTube advertising. So that is a route to consider. Number six, transcriptionist. There are a bunch of new companies popping up online that make becoming a transcriptionist easier than ever. So essentially what this is, is there's recorded audio like this podcast that I will then send to a company like Rev, which is one of my favorites, uh, to transcribe. So they give me all of the words verbatim of what happens on this podcast. So the words that I'm saying right now outside of my mouth (laughs) will then be just transcribed by somebody. So I personally use Rev. I like this one a lot. And it actually makes me feel really good knowing that they are hiring people to do the transcriptions to make a little bit of extra cash. That's like a ride sharing services, right? You work when you want to, but you can earn extra cash from the comfort of your home transcribing audio files. So another one to consider. Number seven, pet sitting. Do you love pets, Wes? <laughs> well, you can get your slice of the $70 billion pet industry, and you can hang with those lovable animals through pet sitting. Yes. With services like Rover, you can even pet sit from the comfort of your own home. I'm thinking my seven-year-old daughter, Zoe, might like this side hustle a lot, actually. <laughs> Number eight, scooter charging. Now, this is a random one. You know those Lime and Bird scooters you see all over the major cities in the U.S. lately? Well, they need someone to charge those bad boys, and they are paying people to do it. Evidently, if you pick these scooters up around town, charge them at home overnight, and return them to the main city center, you can earn anywhere between 3 to $5 per scooter. So if you have a large enough vehicle and you get creative enough, this can be like a thousand bucks per month as a side hustle. There's a blogger that I know, his name is Kevin, and he's been doing this for quite a while, and he logged a thousand dollars in September from charging (laughs) these scooters at his place. So get creative. The money's literally sitting there. Number nine, sell on Etsy. If you know how to develop artwork, crafts, jewelry, clothes, woodwork, or just a multitude of any other product, try selling your wares on Etsy. Selling your own products is one of the best ways to make more money. And if you love creating, then this could be a fun side hustle as well. Number 10, podcast editing. I would be remiss if I didn't mention (laughs) that on a podcast, right? There are over 750,000 podcasts out there right now, and a lot of them are DIY first-time podcasters. So if you have audio editing skills, you could make a good amount of money helping these people out. And if you choose to edit podcasts in a genre that you love, you can learn, you can be entertained, and you can be paid all at the same time. Number 11, start a podcast. Again, we're, we're on a podcast. We might as well talk about that. 
So after three years of podcasting, I am now starting to make some decent money. So again, this is not a quick way. If you're looking to make money tomorrow, Wes, I would not recommend starting a podcast. This year, though, after three years of doing it, I'll make around $10,000 from podcast advertising. That's pretty cool. But in year one, I made $0 from podcast advertising. So if you're again, if you're looking to make money tomorrow, don't go this way. If you have some patience, though, and a passion towards a topic, even if you don't make a dime for a long time, podcasting could be for you. Number 12, graphic design. Are you a skilled graphic designer, my friend Wes? Well, entrepreneurs are paying good money for people to help them with their logo design or graphics on their website or just development of the website in general. So get your payday by helping others with your skills, your design skills, and you can do this from the comfort of your own home. Number 13, sell baked goods. Who doesn't love cookies? I mean, come on, really. (laughs) Take your passion for cooking and baking and make some extra money from home. I know a couple that is cranking away on their debt by baking cookies and selling them locally in our community. I think that's so cool. But you got to remember not to eat all of your profits. (laughs) That would be tough. Number 14, retail arbitrage. So retail arbitrage, that could be extremely profitable. This is when you buy items from one location or one store, think like Walmart, and then you sell them for a higher price somewhere else, whether that's eBay or Amazon, something like that. Some people are making millions of dollars doing this. It's insane. But others, they're losing money because they're buying lots of products and they're not able to sell them. So be careful. Do your research and ensure you are using this tactic in a smart way. The last thing you want to do when you're thinking about paying down your debt, Wes, is getting into more of it. So let's not do that. All right, let's recap these 14 side hustles that you can do to pay down your debt and make a little bit more money. Number one, freelance writing. Number two, virtual assistant. Number three, proofreading. Number four, affiliate marketing. Number five, YouTube. Number six, transcriptionist. Number seven, pet sitting. Number eight, scooter charging. Number nine, sell on Etsy. Number 10, podcast editing. Number 11, start a podcast. Number 12, graphic design. Number 13, sell some baked goods. And then number 14, retail arbitrage. Wes, I hope this quick list helps you come up with some ideas on how to accelerate your debt pay down. Remember, before starting any of these, I would highly, highly recommend starting with your current job and then seeing if a raise or overtime is a possibility. That could be your easiest route to more money. And if you have a question like Wes, please leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. Or you could ping me on any social media platform at Andy Hill MKM. That's Andy Hill MKM. I would love to hear from you. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. 
Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everyone. Let's jump back into the show. Charitable giving, a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Charitable giving can feel difficult or even impossible when we're in debt and barely scraping by. But when we've lifted ourselves up to a position of financial strength and confidence, giving back feels like the right thing to do. Sharing the wealth with our neighbors in need is a privilege and an honor. There are so many of our neighbors who need our help. Just in our country alone, over 400,000 American children are in foster care. 40 million people struggle with hunger in the United States. 550,000 Americans experience homelessness on a typical night. Globally, the issues are even larger. 663 million people live without access to clean water. 130 million girls are not in school due to threats of poverty, war, and gender discrimination globally. 10% of the world's population lives on $1.90 per day. When you hear statistics like that, 
it can feel overwhelming. It can feel like, well, how can I make a difference? But I believe we can tackle these huge challenges the same way we tackled our huge financial challenges, one step at a time. Here are seven strategies to help make charitable giving a part of your family life starting today. Number one, ladder up your giving. You may not be giving much today, but that doesn't mean you can't change that. Set a goal to increase your giving by 1% or 2% and then pick a realistic time frame to make it happen. My family did this over the past few years and it's been a really exciting adventure of discovering what's most important to us. In 2017, we realized we were only giving 1% of our income. Now, there was nothing wrong with that. It was just we felt like we could give more. We had paid off our mortgage and we had paid off all of our debt and it felt like this was something we were supposed to do. We set a goal to give 3% the following year in 2018 and we did it. This year, we laddered up to 5%. So we didn't do this overnight. It took a two-year period of time. And now it doesn't feel like such a jolt to our budget, though. I mean, jumping from 1% to 5% would feel like a jolt. But since we did this over two years, it feels right. So pick a time frame and pick a percentage and ladder up your giving. Number two, encourage giving with your kids. Giving becomes a lot more fun and impactful when you get the whole family involved. Try setting a tradition where you give with your kids. This can be with your money and their money too. A couple of years ago, I started a tradition with my kids called the Big Give. This is an opportunity for our family to give together. So here's how it goes. Step one, we get milkshakes (laughs) because everything is better with milkshakes, my friends. Step two... We empty out each of our kids' give jars. This is the glass jar where our kids have been saving 10% of their money each week from their chore and reward program for the past 12 weeks since we do this program every three months. Step three, we count how much money they have in each jar. Step four, we watch three videos from charity websites so the kids can decide who they want to give their money to. Lately, Zoe's been a fan of the World Wildlife Fund, And Calvin has been giving a lot of his money to the homeless folks in Detroit uh, through a program called Say Detroit. Step five, we match the kids' donations. That way we're doubling the impact. Step six is that we make the donation on the website and we write a special note to the organization about who is making the donation. And step seven, talk to your kids about the impact they're having on these organizations and the world. Let them know you are proud of them because they're making a huge difference in making the world a better place to live. So those are the seven steps that we do to do our big give. So we rinse and repeat the same process every quarter, and we're going to try to do that for the rest of their childhood. And maybe, just maybe, they will do the same with their kids. Okay, number three, make giving automatic. One of my favorite sections in David Bach's book, The Automatic Millionaire, I'm actually looking at it right now, uh, is in chapter eight. He talks about becoming an automatic giver. He encourages readers to sign up for an 
automatic monthly contribution to their favorite church or charity or nonprofit. This way, you can't forget to donate. If you do this at the beginning of the year and plan for it each month, just like investing, your giving will continue to grow. And in no time, you'll become a generous giver. Number four, find charities that move you. If giving away your money feels like pulling teeth, then maybe it's time for you to look for another charity or a different cause. Give your money to an organization that lifts up your heart and makes you feel like your money is going to just make the world a better place. Find organizations that align with your values and just create a fire in your belly. The majority of my giving goes to organizations. The majority of my giving now goes to organizations who are focused on giving kids a better shot at life. So ask yourself, what do you care about the most? What inspires you? What wrong do you want to make right in your community or your country? I think these are some of the most important questions we can ask ourselves. All right, number five. Give big year-end gifts. So in the past on the show, we've talked about the power of sinking funds for our everyday finances, but how about using a sinking fund for some big giving? Instead of giving $100 per month to your favorite charity, consider giving a one-time $1,200 donation. How cool would that be to write that check, right? In the past, we've done the automatic giving, and it's allowed us to stay consistent and support our favorite charities that the Hilt family cares about. This year, we're going for the big donation. I'm not sure if it's going to be more fun or it's going to be different. I, I just think the experimentation is fun, and I think testing it out and figuring out what works best for us will, will be an adventure. So that's what we're going to try this year. Number six, donor-advised funds. If you are looking for a tax-efficient way to give back, consider donor-advised funds. According to Fidelity, a donor-advised fund is like an investment account, but for charitable giving. So your contributions or donations can grow like an investment account, allowing you to give now or in the future. This can be a way for you and your family to have some big impact. Number seven, random acts of kindness. Have you ever heard of those people who pay for someone's entire bill at the grocery store or the people who leave a hundred dollar tip for their waitress on their $10 lunch bill? Those type of people, man, are my heroes. Those stories are so cool. I want to be a hero like that and I want you to join me. So this month, I'm joining a group of other crazy personal finance YouTubers who are looking to make an impact in their community through random acts of kindness. My family's contribution will be taking part in another Big Tip Tuesday like we did last year. We had a lot of fun with this and we want to do it again. My wife and I will both be taking a $100 bill and giving it randomly to someone who's working in the service industry this holiday season. They are working hard. These individuals who are working in the service industry are working hard to provide for their families or pay off debt or just simply to make ends meet. And they might be working at your favorite fast food place or your lunch spot or driving you in an Uber or cutting your hair. But we're hoping to bring them a smile this year with a big, big tip. And maybe that kindness will have a ripple effect 
that will make others smile as well, and that it'll continue on from there. So I'd love for you to join me, my wife, and our fun, wacky group of YouTubers. Let's make a difference in our community this month. My goal is to spread $1,000 of joy this holiday season to our hardworking neighbors in the service industry. So if I could get eight more of you to join me this year with $100 tips, we would make that goal. So please email me at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or send me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. And let me know if you are in. Please tell me about your plans or, or how you gave. I would love to share these stories on the podcast later this year. And hopefully that will encourage others to join us in this spirit of giving. Because that is what the holidays are all about, my friends. Giving with all of your heart. I hope these seven ideas help you to make charitable giving a part of your family's life. Fintech Spotlight segment this month, we are featuring our sponsor, Roofstock, a company that makes investing in single-family rental properties radically simple. I've invited the director of retail at Roofstock, Zach Evanish, to tell us a little bit more about this online real estate marketplace and how it's helping new and seasoned investors build wealth. We're also going to discuss long-distance real estate investing and why it's not as scary as it sounds. Welcome to the show, Zach. Thanks, Andy. Happy to be here. Zach, so what makes single-family homes a good investment for people? Yeah, you know, single-family is the general entry point for a lot of real estate investors. You know, the average sales price on roof stock is about 120000 So investors can put as little as 20% down so they can get started with real estate investing and all the advantages of, you know, passive income and having a tenant pay your mortgage, things like that with, you know, as little as 20 or 25,000. That's great. So that seems to be a good entry point for people. Maybe they've, you know, paid off their debt or they're starting to invest into their, you know, retirement funds. And they're also looking for, well, what can I do to get a little bit of passive income today? Right. Is there, are those some of the conversations you're having with prospective customers? Yeah. I mean, my team and I are speaking with, you know, like you mentioned, both first time and seasoned investors all day. And the conversations I enjoy the most are with, you know, first time investors, people who are thinking about diversification and starting to think about retirement planning, passive income, cash flow, things like that. And that's where, you know, really Roofstock and health and, and real estate, there's really nothing like it when it term comes to, um, you know, the passive income and cash flow aspects. Yeah. You know, it, sometimes it can be overwhelming. I'm a first time real estate investor myself. I've been on the sidelines kind of pulling up my money and I'm excited about jumping in. Right. But a lot of the things that hold me back are like, well, this is what you're supposed to do. Or no, you definitely need to start with multifamily first because that's the best thing to do. Why would single family homes maybe be better than multifamily to start out with? Yeah, I think just to start, there's almost a, you know, a big industry, real estate education, right? Which I think some of it is great, but some of it seems like it's set up to make real estate investing seem much harder than it is. You know, I think 20 or so years ago, um, I know my parents thought about real estate investing and didn't do it because they were concerned about tenants, toilets, and trash. And my dad saying, well, I'm not great at rehabbing things. How are we going to buy an investment property? to today in companies like Roofstock and property managers and really solid general contractors who can handle all that for you now allows people to do it, you know, get all the benefits of real estate investing, but do it while they have a full-time job. I think single family, again, is a, is a way to, to get started with real estate investing, 
to see if it is something that you like. And then a lot of people will, you know, start with single family and then get into small multifamily. Some of the benefits of single family are you have multiple exit strategies, right? You can own a, a rental property for say, you know, 10 or 20 years. And then when you want to sell it, you can, yes, maybe sell it to another investor, or you could sell it to someone who wants to buy that property as a owner occupied residence. And so those multiple exit strategies are one of the advantages of single family over multifamily. Well, that makes sense. So it sounds like you have some experience personally with real estate as well. So do you, do you own rental real estate right now? I do. Yeah. My wife and I have uh, 11 single family rentals, a duplex, and then we have some ownership stake in some multifamily. Awesome. So did you scale in that way? You, you sort of talked about you started maybe with a single family and then grew from there? I did. Okay, cool. And where are they? Where are these properties that you have? Where are they located? In Georgia. So Atlanta, Georgia, and then uh, both coasts of Florida. So Cape Coral and Palm Bay, Florida, and then Cleveland and Cincinnati. Okay, well, I take it from just the general geography of things. You don't live in all three of those areas. So how, how do you manage uh, your properties living across the country? Yeah, to, to be honest, I've only seen two of the 11 myself, the Atlanta properties. I've only seen two of them. Yeah, you know, I leverage third-party property managers to handle the day-to-day maintenance for me. They do take, you know, between 6 and 10% of the rent. But I see that as kind of the cost of being a real estate investor and the value they add to me is way above that. And they allow me to do what I think I'm best at is finding other investment properties to purchase. But also, you know, I have a full time job, just had my first child. She just turned 11 weeks last Saturday. Congratulations. So That's awesome. I'd way rather, you know, spend time with her. Uh, than worrying about tenants and things like that. Well, that's cool. So how did you connect then with the property managers to help you manage all those? Because that the way you're describing it makes it sounds, you know, obviously you got to come up with the money and do some research, but it sounds pretty seamless. Yeah, so I purchased all those properties through Roofstock. Uh, as an employee, you know, there's some rules around buying properties. We have to wait uh, seven days for the property to be on our site, but these are properties I all purchased through, through Roofstock. And when you purchase a property through our site, we provide uh, three different property management options. We'll provide the current property manager and then two certified property managers. So we have a director of property management. And before we open a market, uh, he'll go into that market and interview 10 or 20 property managers, talk to them about how many homes they manage, uh, look at their reviews, collections, things like that and provide, you know, two what we feel are really good options for investors. Because most of our investors, you know, on average are buying properties. I think the last time I looked at the stat, it's between 800 to 900 miles away from their primary residence. Wow. So that's that's a part of the process with Roofstock. Not only are you guys setting up the homes that are available for purchase, you're connecting them with the property managers as well. Correct. Yeah, it's a big part of it. Wow, absolutely. I mean, that that would take away a lot of the friction that I'm I'm personally feeling as somebody who wants to jump into real estate. I'm like, okay, well, I don't have the time. I'm also a young father. I've, I want to take care of my kids and, you know, and, and focus on my marriage. The last thing I want to be doing, like your father said, is worried about toilets and trash and, you know, tenants and things like that. So I, I see how that works. So let's talk about how these properties end up on the Roofstock platform. How, how are you guys coming across these? Are you, are you dealing directly with the, uh, the sellers? How does that work? 
Yeah, so uh, the listings that you come onto our site come through a variety of sources. You know, one, uh, relationships with big funds that own, say, thousands of single-family homes. Maybe they're getting out of Jacksonville and, you know, putting their funds to Atlanta, so maybe they'll be selling homes. Um, But also with a lot of, you know, mom-and-pop and individual sellers, some accidental landlords, um, some real estate investors who have just bought homes and are now ready to sell. Um, so if you have a property you're looking to sell, you go on Roostock, you submit that address. We will then run a valuation for you to give you an idea of the, the price of that property. If that looks in line, um, you'll sign a listing agreement with Roostock. We only charge 2.5% compared to the general 5 or 6% people generally pay in the open market. And we ask sellers to price their homes a little more aggressively and kind of pass that savings on to the end buyer. And then once that property is listed with Roostock, that's where the certification process comes. Roostock is really a curated marketplace. So we will have the home inspected, make sure there's no major foundation issues, termites, you know, nothing that would make the property, um, you know, in uninhabitable or, or kind of major issues. And then we put the inspection report on the site for investors review. Uh, we review the tenant payment history to make sure that tenant is current on their rent. Uh, we run a title report to make sure there's no major encumbrances or liens on title. And then we provide a certified property manager. And generally about 30% of the properties that are submitted to our site actually make it onto our platform. Wow. So you guys are doing a lot of the upfront work that maybe a real estate agent would do in order to guide you in the right process, get the inspection, make sure you know, you're going to get good money off of it, things like that. Is that right? It's exactly right. You know, People are buying properties thousands of miles away. And these aren't all professional real estate investors. So we want to do a lot of that diligence up front. Obviously, you still need to review all that yourself. But we want to kind of reduce the size of the ocean so you can go on our site and say, okay, these are vetted investment properties and invest in, you know, with confidence through our site. Wow. I mean, this this sounds like just kind of a perfect situation. Is there anybody that maybe this wouldn't fit for? I mean, does this have to be for accredited investors? Talk to us about maybe the person that wouldn't fit for this situation. Yeah, I think one, you know, people need to make sure that they do have the amount of funds saved up, not only for that initial down payment, but also have reserves for repair and maintenance, capital expenses, things like that. You know, if you have 20,000 saved up. We don't want you to spend that 20,000 on your down payment cuz that's the time where a roof will, you know, cave in or something will happen uh and then you're going to credit cards and things like that and we want to help people get closer to financial independence and not have to go into, you know, things like that for debt. So we want to make sure you are really in a good financial position. Um have other kind of student debt and things like that paid off before you start investing in real estate. Um, And then I think, you know, one of the big, you know, kind of leaps people are making is buying properties outside of their local market. So, um, you know, we have a team of advisors that I manage. Um, We're very transparent on our reviews and have investors speak with other people um, because we do understand it's an expensive widget. 
you're doing it online. Um, so we want to make sure people really do their diligence. Yeah, and I, I, I've looked at your uh, platform, and the great thing about it, you learn all these rules as you're starting to study real estate, like the 1% rule or the 50% rule or cap rate. You guys have a lot of that on there already, right? So, I mean, with regard to your point on expenses and things to expect, you're showing people, hey, you might be pulling in $12,000 a year on this rental property, but expect to pay this in taxes, expect to pay this in insurance, expect to, you know, fix up the home. And this is a potential cost for it. Is that right? Yeah, we've included all that in the underwriting and accurate underwriting is one of the big pillars of Rootstock. One of our goals is so you can come on the site and see, you know, really accurate underwriting, not kind of best picture, uh, you know, rosy underwriting, but we want to show you, Hey, if you own this property for, for 10 years, you know, you probably will have to replace a water heater and air conditioning, things like that over the history. And so we make sure to include that in the expenses. Sure. Now, if people still would feel like, hey, man, I probably still want a real estate agent to kind of walk me through this and make sure I'm doing the right thing. Do you think that's worth it? Do you think that's just extra money added on top? What do you think? Yeah, I think if someone, you know, would like, say, maybe they have a real estate agent they used before, or just like that, you know, kind of second opinion, they can definitely use a, uh, a real estate agent through our marketplace. Um, we have a special section for real estate agents. Uh, most buyers are coming on without an agent and investing themselves because, like you said, we've already done all that diligence and have you know a lot of transparency on all the information. Um, we also offer a rent guarantee if the property is vacant or goes vacant during escrow. And then we also offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's awesome. So, I mean, it sounds like you're getting a lot of value out of this. What is what does Roofstock cost? Is it a membership fee, a monthly thing? How does that work? Yeah, so it's free to register on our site and uh, it's transactional. So if you buy a property on our site as a buyer, we charge half a percent. So, you you know, if you buy a $120,000 home, we would charge a half a percent or a $600 fee that uh, is placed on your credit card when the offer is accepted. If for some reason you didn't move forward with that property and exercise the contingency, those funds are obviously given back to you. Um, our goal isn't to collect marketplace fees. We want to help investors purchase properties. And then we also have a, a Roofstock Academy. So for investors, you know, this is about, about six months old and it's a, an education for investors. We had a lot of people who were really interested in real estate investing but came onto our site and, and saw things like cap rate and 1% rule and said, you know, I want to dig in a little bit more here. And so we built an education program called Roostock Academy. I think it's $1,500 right now, but that's actually credited back uh, if you buy a property. Oh, wow. And right, yeah, right around 30% of the graduates that make it through that program are buying a property. That's excellent. So what has been the growth of the company since you started? I understand you were one of the original guys that uh, kind of jumped on board. Yeah. What's been the trajectory of the company since you joined in? Yeah, I joined as the third employee. Uh, I used to work with our CEO at a, at a previous company, uh, a real estate investment fund. You know, we don't share our numbers in terms of growth as a private company, but I can tell you we are almost at uh, $2 billion in transactions uh, through our marketplace. Wow, that's incredible. And then the amount of employees you said you started with three, are you guys, uh, you got multiple offices now or multiple people in the office besides you, obviously? Yeah, we have uh, two offices now. So we have our Oakland office, which I'm in right now. And then we have an office in Dallas and we're at about 180 employees right now. Wow, so from three employees to 180. So obviously people, this is uh, this is not a uh, small startup. Things are going, things are making sense. Obviously this um, 
as as somebody who's been investigating potentially buying a property for well, it's probably been two years now and just saving up our money and finding out the right way to go. It seems like a really great solution to kind of break down the barriers of, you know, is this a good deal? Is this something that is going to be a lemon right away? Or am I, am I going to be making money and also kind of hooking you up with the right people to, to solve any of the problems that kind of originally say, Hey, this is going to be all about fixing toilets. Right? So I'm, I'm really happy to connect with you, Zach. Thank you so much for your time today. Hey, everybody, if you are interested in checking out Roofstock, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Roofstock. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Roofstock. That link will help you get connected with Zach and Roofstock. And as he said, there's some great resources on there for you to learn more about the company and also maybe check out that Academy. So if people go to that link, they can connect with the Academy and then you said it's $1,500 if they want to uh, go through that process, but then if they decide to buy a property, that goes back. Is that right? That's exactly right. Awesome. Very cool. Well, Zach, thank you so much for your time today. I look forward to sharing this with everybody because I'm personally interested uh, myself. I'm going to talk to my wife about it, but I think for a lot of people who've been listening to my show, they're also kind of like, hey, I'm thinking of getting my first rental property and maybe this is the way to do it. So I appreciate your time today, Zach. Thanks so much. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Andy. Appreciate your time. Have a great rest of your day. Side hustles, giving, and real estate investing. I I think we covered it all. (laughs) As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this show. Number one, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player so we're hanging out every week. Number two, share this episode with a friend. You'll find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 163. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 163. And then the last thing, number three, leave me a review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Oh, very good. Those reviews help more people to find this show. And as you just heard, I've got my special assistant here, Zoe Hill. She's going to help me read a review this week. And we've got three reviews since last month's giveaway book offer. And this quarter, we're going to be giving away three different book options from past podcast guests. Playing with Fire by Scott Rickens. Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk by Cameron Huddleston. And Everyday Millionaire by Chris Hogan. So, Zoe, how is it going? Goody, goody, good, great. Goody, goody, good, great. That's awesome. So, Zoe, I wanted to ask you uh, a little bit of what's going on in your life right now. we got Ooh, Christmas coming up. Yeah. So, what are you most excited about for Christmas? Hanging with my family, drinking hot cocoa, opening presents, and sitting down with the fireplace, eating, drinking hot cocoa, and watching a movie all together with my family. That sounds awesome. I wanna, I'm, I'm going to be there, right? You're going to invite me to that uh, get-together? Every family gets to come. Awesome. Good. So what are you hoping to get as like your favorite Christmas gift? Art supplies and 10 stuffed toy animals. 10? Oh, I like that. Good number. Very good. You already have like 25 in your room though. No, I have 50. Do you have 50? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So, and Zoe, who do you want to give your money to this month for the big give? Pandas. Pandas. Okay. Why pandas, baby? (gasps) Because they're endangered and they're so cute. I love it. That's good. Well, you've got a good heart and you've been saving up your money to do that gift. So thank you very much. So Zoe, are you ready to read our review? Yes. Awesome. So we had three reviews. So ask our electronic friend 
to do the deal. Okay, so let me just get her started. Alexa, pick a number between one and three. Your random number between one and three is one. Excellent. All right. Well, our first review is from Vicky96, and she had the title, I'm so glad I found this. So, Zoe, here you go. I recently started listening to your show. I'm only 23 and not married and have no kids. My biggest fear, however, is doing what my parents did and not leaving any type of help or security for my kids. I want to be prepared and be able to stick to a plan. I've paid off my college degree and now I'm working full time. I recently became salaried. My next goal is finishing my emergency fund of six months in, of income. I have no idea how I'm going to tackle investing in real estate, but I'm glad I have your show to help. I listen to your podcasts every day on my commute to work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've already learned so much. Keep it up, Andy. Zoe, great job reading that one. That was a huge one, by the way. That was probably the longest review mm. you've read. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you, Zoe, for reading that. And thank you, Vicky, for leaving that review. So we're going to reach out to you. And thank you for sending us an email, by the way, with the review. And we're going to offer you one of those three books. You can choose it and we'll send it to you. And hopefully it'll help you with your financial journey. All right. Well, thank you so much, Zoe. You're welcome. This month on the show, we've got another great lineup. You guys are going to love it. Next Monday, December 9th, Monica Louie joins me to share how she's grown her online business to a multi six-figure mark and how she's done it from the comfort of her own home. The Monday after that, December 16th, our Mortgage Freedom Series is back and we are highlighting the story of David Venus. David and his wife paid off their mortgage at age 32. And we're going to find out how they did this so early in their lives. The Monday after that, December 23rd, certified financial planner Damian Dunn is going to join us to discuss the different ways parents can invest for their kids' future. And the last Monday of the month, December 30th, the last Monday of the year, Lisa Harrison, the Mad Money Monster, she's going to share why she and her husband stopped pursuing early retirement and focused on having a happier life today. The last month of the year is going to be an incredible one, my friends. Thank you so much for your support this year. I love doing this podcast, and I'm so grateful that you've given me the chance to produce it. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Unknown. The real measure of your wealth is how much you'd be worth if you lost all of your money. Here's to discovering what wealth truly means, my friends. Carpe diem. <laughs> <laughs>